This is a special episode of the Uppity Women podcast. We're talking to Star Haas and Elena Reeves. Star is from Arkansas and Elena is from Atlanta. They're putting on a campaign training for women on May 18th in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So in this shorter episode, we're just visiting with Star and Elena to hear more about the training and a little bit of the background of Vote Run Lead and its place in Arkansas. We've had a number of groups kind of pop up in the last few years who are on a mission to train women to run for office, uh, which is, of course, how Women League got started. And so we welcome more. The more the merrier. The more women in office, the better off we'll be. So please listen to this episode to learn a little bit more about the nonpartisan group Vote Run Lead. And please register for the training if you're listening to this before May 18th. We need more folks in the seats to learn how to run for office. Thanks. My name is Star Haas. Um, I'm the National Program Manager at Vote Run Lead. Vote Run Lead is a national, nonpartisan nonprofit that trains women to run for office and win. I have dual degrees in accounting and finance, and I graduate this May with a master's in public service from the Clinton School of Public Service. I am a graduate of the 2018 class of the Women's Campaign School at Yale University. And I'm passionate about empowering women in leadership and civic engagement. I've previously served as a gender equity development associate with the Women's Foundation of Arkansas and as a commissioner for the Little Rock City Beautiful Commission. In the past, I was on the advisory committee board for the Little Rock Capital Zoning District and also served as president of the Downtown Little Rock Neighborhood Association. And I'm based here in Little Rock, Arkansas, with my husband, Jordan, and two young daughters, Ella and Scarlett. I know that you spent some time in New York. Tell me, tell me the different things that you've done at the Clinton School as a student, because you've done some traveling and some different things, right? Yeah. So like what I found is I was in accounting and finance and just got involved in the downtown Little Rock community and fell in love with public service work. Um, And what I found is I could volunteer like 14 hours a day, but I was really having trouble kind of like, I I call it jumping the ditch um, to like a paid position. And so when I was president of the uh, Downtown Little Rock Neighborhood Association, I um, wanted to introduce myself to the Clinton School just to get to know them. They're in the downtown area. And I went and had a meeting, and at the end of it, they had talked me into applying. And I'm so happy that I did. It is such an incredible program. What I was most excited about was the marketability that I could use um, being a Clinton School student. And so I did go into the program knowing that I wanted to be in women's empowerment um, with a focus on women in politics. And so at the Clinton School, they have a program. It's a a summer course called um, IPSP. And typically students go international, which is amazing. But I'm in my 30s and have a young family. And I knew that I needed to use this to the best of my advantage to start my career in a completely new field. So I reached out to um, different organizations across the country, one of which was Vote Run Lead, um, based in New York City, and they took me on. And so um, a part of that Clinton School course is you go work with the organization anywhere from eight to 10 weeks. And I'm really lucky. My husband is just amazing and supportive, and he held down the fort with, the, with my two daughters. 
And I got to go live my dream, which I've, I've always wanted to live in New York City, and got to work with um, our team there. And we just have an amazing team. Our CEO, Aaron Velarde, is just um, such an inspiration. And it just turned out to be a really nice fit. So at the end of the summer, um, they asked me to stay on as the national program manager. And um, it's been a dream come true. And so after that, I had a year left of school. Um, I actually, I did my capstone with Vote Run Lead as well. Um, and so put together um, Vote Run Lead's national trainer recruitment program. So I was able to use that as, um, you know, an, uh, like a stepping stone for them in, in work, but also as, um, you know, qualifications for getting my master's at the Clinton School. It's really cool how this all worked out. So do you know when Vote Run Lead started? Yes. Yeah, so they started in um, 2011. And so they got together. It was they were it was actually a group of women. Um, Aaron Velarde worked with um, a group called the White House Project, which their entire mission was to get a woman in the White House. <laughs> and so the White House Project ceased operations, and um, Vote Run Lead was originally their political training component with the White House Project. And so Aaron Velarde decided to buy the rights to that program and kind of spun off. And so Vote Run Lead was born and became its own entity. And it's just been, you know, a dream from there, really. And it's nonpartisan, right? Yes, yeah. it is nonpartisan. So you, you are the, uh, you try to recruit trainers to, to travel and do the trainings and wherever they're held? Yes, so I certainly help with that. I mean, our whole team is, you know, we, we all help, help each other and, and work towards the same goal. But yes, so um, I help develop the um, National Trainer Recruit program and a, a large part of what I do is working with prospective trainers across the country and putting them through our certification process and then um, you know working on matching them to the you know the training that suits their expertise and their needs and their um, location so okay so and didn't Kristen Foster from Russellville she went to do that training to become a she did. She's certified. Yes. Do we have any other certified trainers in Arkansas? We do right now. So we have Kristen Foster of Russellville. Um, she is fabulous. And she's actually, she. Um, we flew her to a training last year. She did such a great job. Um, we also have Lisa Carver, who I know is a friend of yours as well. They both have been involved with Women Lead Arkansas. I know. I know. Yeah. Which, huge fan of Women Lead Arkansas. Um, but yes, Lisa Carver. Um, and then we also have Ashley Hurst. And Ashley Hurst will be training at our Fayetteville, Arkansas training on May 18th. Um, and that's all of our trainers besides me right now. So so you also do the campaign training? I do, but um, I do when needed. But primarily, I, I want to um, use our trainers that came into the program. So do you know offhand the mission of the organization? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So our mission is um, to train women to run for office and win. Okay. I, I love it. It's very simple. It's very simple. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Talk to me about what the training entails. Absolutely. So the training is at Rock Hill Studios in Fayetteville, Arkansas. 
This is um, actually Vote Run Lead's first Arkansas training, and we're so excited about it. And so the training is just a complete blast. It's a great networking opportunity. Um, you, you walk away with friends and networks and supporters, because when you run for office, you know, you're going to have those days where you're like, can we please just get a mani-pedi, <laughs> you know? Um, but so the training is actually from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., and we have um, a, diff- a few different, um, you know, exercises of the day and training sessions. So the morning session will consist of, um, it's called Why You Should Run As You Are, which is also the Vote Run Lead methodology. And so just to quickly share about that. Why we say it's important to run as you are is that typically men will just wake up and get out of bed and say, I think I'm going to run for office. (laughs) Women, not so much. Um, With women, we come up with a million reasons why we can't do it. You know, Um, I I can't take that time away from the kids. I, I can't afford it. I need more education. And so it's so important that women are sought out. Actually, there's tons of research that support that. And that's why, you know, organizations like Women Lead Arkansas, Vote Run Lead, um, you know, coming into the communities and seeking out these women to encourage them. That's why it's so important. But back to our curriculum and why it's so amazing and popular is um, the morning session will consist of why you should run as you are. And this is actually a storytelling um, curriculum. And what we teach women, it's it's such it's it's really a session where you need to see it in person. To see the transformation on the women's faces, it's it's pretty incredible. And sometimes the women even get emotional. But what we teach the women is we ask them a series of questions. And it's really dialing in on times in their life, stories in their life, memories, when um, they have exemplified leadership or they made a positive change, you know, things like that. They come up with stories and then we have them come up to the front of the room, volunteers, and they tell their story. And we do this in three different rounds. And we have our expert trainers on sites. Our trainers are experts and they help them use their own stories to turn that into a stump speech. You know, I think candidate training in the past, you would see with stump speeches, you would tend to see people list, you know, why they're good to run for office. Hi, you know, I'm running for office because I care about education, affordable housing, and and hunger relief for the community. And those things are all great, but at the end of the day, no one really remembers that list. But when you tell a story, you know, you really remember it. And a quick example, this is one of my most favorite stories I've heard, is we had a lady and she was a little unsure of what story to tell. She, just like most women, was questioning herself, you know, do I really have something to share with people that will make them want to vote for me. And she told this amazing story about how as she, when she was young, uh, living with her parents, she lived in a neighborhood that had a dirt road. And every day the kids would get dropped off at the school bus and they would walk to their homes and all of the parents would make them take a bath because they were so dirty. And all the neighborhood kids got together and just hated this. And so she actually got together with the kids and wrote a letter from the neighborhood kids to the city council saying how this is a real issue for them. And the city council met and they actually paved the road.
episodes. And so I love that story because number one, it's memorable. Like I heard the story over a year ago and I remember it. I love that story. Right. And so we ask questions like, what did she show and not tell? Well, she's showing that she's a leader. You know, she um, is ready to take action. She's good at working with people, you know, things like that. And so that's what we are showing to our trainees. And it's just a really incredible experience. We also pride ourselves in coaching to strengths and being authentic. We, um, we train, we prioritize barrier breaking women. So that's a huge emphasis on women of color. We want women of color running for office um, and we want to help propel that. And so our trainers, when they coach the strengths, um, you're never going to hear from a vote run lead trainer. You should have worn pearls. You should have crossed your legs. You need to wear pearls. That's not how we coach. Instead, we're going to choose how, what you did good when you spoke in front of the group. So for people who might be nervous about hearing that, you know, you can share in front of everyone, please don't be. It's a very positive experience. And you would be shocked at by pointing out the good that, you know, a woman does. They will tweak their speech and make it better on that. So that was a long explanation. I'm just so passionate about the specific training. But moving on to the afternoon session, um, the afternoon session is called Kickstart Your Campaign. The Kickstart Your Campaign, it consists of our 90-day challenge. And then we also have a few um, of the components from our, our Campaigning 101 that we've actually, we've combined the two for this national training. But it's hard for me to, to decide which training is my favorite. Um, the 90-day challenge is very popular. And it's popular because it provides 30 action steps that you can take in 90 days to either decide if you want to run for office office or kickstart your campaign. You know, Vote Run Lead works with women at, at all different stages of running for office. Women running, maybe they ran, they're running again. Um, but I think we also do a great job at, I say, scooping up these introductory women. So that's women who are like, yeah, I've been thinking about it for a few years, but, you know, probably won't happen for five years. We also have women who are like, I saw this on Facebook and I've never thought about this before and now I'm here. And that's why I love the 90 day challenge because it's very um, simple steps. And a few of those examples would be use Twitter. Why do you want to use Twitter? Because that's where the reporters live. We also talk about joining a new um, community organization, which I know Stephanie, you know, is very important and I've done work on that. My personal favorite tip is to have 15 coffees. For me personally, I would not be where I am today. You know, I was, I was at home as a young mother. And uh, by doing that, I was on social media quite a bit and came to really admire some women in my community. And so I started by just inviting them to coffee. And um, a lot of the women just really enjoy that tip. But those are just a few examples. Yeah, I like those a lot. I like the, the challenge because thinking about running for office, it's so abstract if it's something you haven't really thought about a lot before. And so once you see it just enumerated, like, oh, I can do that. Oh, I can do that too. Join Twitter, fine, I can do that. And so it really becomes a lot more manageable in people's minds, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, like the way I think of it, you know, when, when you do run, yes, that there is a time and a place to get into like the nitty gritty fine details of your Excel spreadsheets and everything that you need to do that. But like I said earlier, when you're dealing with women already doubting themselves, 
That's why I love our curriculum because it really gives steps that you can take to make it feel not as daunting and steps that you can literally start today. Yes, yes. And I want to go back to you. Uh, we're reassuring people who might be nervous about having to stand up in front of people and, and give a stump speech or tell their story. Uh, and you said that that's voluntary. Yes. Just to reiterate, you do not have to come to the front of the room. And if you don't, you are going to learn a ton just from seeing the women that do come up, you know, and you, like I said, we, we break, we do it three different times. So you really see their speech evolve, but we do break you up into groups of three, um, just to talk about your story privately. And, um, so you will get feedback for your own personal story without, you know, having to, um, deal with the fear of speaking in front of everyone. If that's not for you. Oh, good, good. I like that. But if you want to run for office, you're going to have to talk in front of people. So so you might as well start with the Vote Run Lead training on May 18th in Fayetteville, Arkansas. When you join a Vote Run Lead training, you actually become an alum. And so you'll join um, our private, you know, social media groups and digital groups, and we provide support. You know, we don't just come in and leave you hanging. Um, we're there to support you. And this this really is a mission that we're all in together. Yes. Is there a cost for the training? Yes. So there is a $25 registration cost, but, and this is another reason why I just love Vote Run Lead. If that is an issue for you, please let us know because we offer scholarships as well as travel travel stipends and childcare stipends. That's amazing. I, it really is amazing. It really is amazing. I'm being a mom myself. I, when I saw the childcare, I was just like, that is so, I mean, you really just don't have a reason to not go. Right. Yes. It sounds like this is also good for people who might want to be involved in a campaign. So not just for people who want to run for office. Yes, very good point. So, um, yeah, we get women at the trainings who come and are like, you know, running for office isn't for me, but I really want to help another woman do that. And so I'm so happy that you brought that up, Stephanie, because I think that's a great point. Women need to be cheering on other women. And it might not be, you know, for you, but we, you know, you can come to this training and start working on those campaigning skills to help your friend run for office. So the training is a great way to start that. Anything else you want us to know? Just thank you so much for having us. I'm based here in Little Rock, Arkansas, and, you know, it's close to my heart to bring Vote Run Lead here. Um, and the community has been amazing and we're thrilled to be featured on the Uppity Women podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm talking okay. to Elena Reeves. You are from Atlanta? Yes, I am. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about your background. I live in the suburbs of Atlanta, just south of the airport. And I, I like to say I kind of fell into politics. It was not on purpose. It was on was by accident. In high school, I knew I wanted to work in nonprofits and do like direct action in the community and kind of through doing that work, uh, working in the community, I realized, well, our elected officials and the politicians who are crafting this policy are having long-lasting change in the community. And so I kind of started working in, started working directly in politics, working directly with candidates or issue-based campaigns so that uh, we could make long-lasting change in, mm -hmm. in the community. And you said this started, this interest started in high school? And in, in high school, I guess I was a bit precocious. Like my senior year, I knew I wanted to run a community development corporation. Yeah, that's impressive. So I've, I've kind of bounced back and forth between working with nonprofits in Atlanta, uh, working in local government, or working in politics. So you're coming to Arkansas for the Vote Run Lead campaign training in Fayetteville. 
Yes. On May 18th. It's really exciting. It's going to be the largest single-day training um, ever that Boat Run Lead has had. Yes, it's the Run As You Are training. We're going to be in 20 cities, uh, including Atlanta. Including, well, I'm actually going to be going out to Fayetteville, Arkansas. I've never been to Arkansas before, so I'm really excited. It's beautiful. Great. I'm looking forward to it. How did you get involved with Boat Run Lead? I actually, I'll, I'll go back from before I was a trainer with Boat Run Lead, was actually participating in their online trainings and doing the programs that, that they've had, uh, going to the webinars. So I've been familiar with Boat Run Lead for a while, and they were looking for trainers last year, and I signed up, and I just learned so much more about the work that they're doing, training and, and creating a pipeline for women candidates. So Women Lead, we do campaign trainings for women. We haven't done one since 17, but I'm going to try to get one organized for this year. And one thing that I always try to be very deliberate about is including or reaching out to or trying to recruit women of color to do the campaigns. I honestly don't know what – I know in Little Rock our demographics are maybe 65% white and – well, actually, I want to say in Little Rock, we have a pretty good representation of people of color, but that's not true for the rest of the state. And and I'm speaking as an outsider and someone who doesn't know, but I feel like Atlanta is very progressive as far as people of color. But you can tell me if I'm wrong about that. I feel like it's a very strong African-American community there that I do not see here. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So uh, just in the city of Atlanta, we've had a black mayor since the, the 1970s. Like I said, I live I live in the suburbs, but uh, I live in Clayton County. All my life, my representatives have been black and where I live now, both my state legislators um, are, are black women. So I feel like mm. where I live, I've been fortunate enough to see women of color and people of color and specifically in Atlanta to see black leaders in elected positions. We have um, the largest state legislative black caucus out of any state legislative hmm. caucus in the, in the rest of the country. Hmm. That's really cool. We just elected our first black mayor. We had a black mayor before, but she was appointed by someone and, mm-hmm. uh, and she's fantastic. But we just elected Frank Scott and I'm very excited about his, his, uh, his reign. I'll call it reign. Another, <laughs> another word would not come to me, but Um, So, but I definitely, you know, I want to see more women run for office, but for sure, I want to see more women of color run for office because you can't be what you can't see, right? And it sounds like what you're saying is you really always had these role models within your work is the issue of being black or a woman, whatever the intersections are. Is that something that you have focused on or is that something that has just been there already, so you didn't. You don't really have to. I know I'm not asking that in a very artful way, but I, I hope you know what I'm trying to ask. I guess I would say a little bit of both. So the last organization that I was working with, we endorsed uh, pro-choice candidates across the country on every level of office, and we particularly focused on making sure that we were elevating people of color, uh, the LGBT community uh, candidates, and making sure that those voices that typically are not heard in elected office had the opportunity to have an endorsement and uh, provide resources. So I did direct candidate work with uh, candidates across across the country, particularly. Uh, I loved working with candidates who are who are black women or, or women of color, because like as you're learning about what they're going through with their campaign, it became very evident to see like, when when people of color run for office, it looks completely different in terms of what their candidacy looks like and in terms of what the scrutiny of them looks like, or even uh, on, on some levels, like the harassment that they that they receive. 
Can you think of an example or two? Sure. Just in 2018, there were two Black women that I saw on the news that while they were canvassing in their neighborhood, had the cops called them on them. And that was in Oregon and in Wisconsin. And mm. in Oregon, she was already elected in that position. So she was already representing that community in Wisconsin. She was a candidate who was running for office and, and did eventually win that that seat. But but that type of 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 uh, racism. Oh, I guess I'll say scrutiny again. Yeah. 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 Bla- yeah. I mean, blatant racism. I mean, yeah. they had the cops called on them for doing yeah. something that as a candidate, you're absolutely encouraged to do. You need to make sure that you're going out and you're talking to, you know, what could be your future constituents. But even in Vermont, there was a state legislator who uh, had been sitting since 20, 2014. Her name was uh, Kaya Morris, and she got death threats when she went to run for re-election. People came to her house and harassed her, knocked on her windows, and she and she had to resign. And I mean, that that's fearful. It, it's how can other women and, and women of color say, okay, I want to run for office if they're seeing that this, this type of like blatant harassment and assault is existing for people who are already elected or are running for office. So it's, it's right. kind of that in, intimidation. Yes, and and that's just another example of how someone, so I'm white, and I think about the challenges that just women generally have running for office, but I I forget that there's even an added layer of danger for women of color, LGBTQ people who are out there, um, because it's it's just a different level of discrimination and really just overt danger. I mean, how do you counsel people like that, or how do you, how do you prepare them I was not planning to get into all this. We're getting pretty deep. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe we'll just save this for the training and, and you and I can have drinks. Um, I guess talk to me about the importance of people of color being represented by people who look like them and share have shared experiences. Why does it matter? I think it, it absolutely matters. One of the the issues that that I thought about um, before coming on the podcast was how in Georgia we have a we had a bill providing access to sanitary napkins, and that that's not something that let's be honest, that's not something that a man is going to say. Let's make sure that women and girls in middle school and high school have like uh, tampons and, and pads because there are girls who will not go to class and will not go to school because they don't have access to those basic necessities that you need as as a woman as a woman, and that. Issues like that so important that we that we have you know women and women of color who are speaking up in in elected positions. I did hear about that I think and I'll and I'll fact check this and I'll I'll put a link in the show notes to what we're talking about. But one thing I was thinking of as you were describing that you know kids girls not going to school because they don't have access to protection from their periods. And mm-hmm. I mean I just remember as a kid the shame of first of all, having a period, because we don't talk about these things, even though it's perfectly natural. And, you know, it's just, I don't know why this is such a taboo subject, I guess, because it's sex related. I don't know. That's, a, that's another conversation. But, right. the, you know, being, yes, and being so terrified, you know, that we would leak through our pants and people would know that we had our period, you know, so it's just, it sounds like such a, you know, as a 48 year old thinking, what, who cares? I mean, like, what is, who cares in the grand scheme of things? But when you're a kid, that's everything. You know, right. your whole life. And so it's funny, it sounds so unimportant, but it's really so important. And because our society, our culture 
treats it with such shame, I guess, or creates such shame around it, then right. it really does matter a lot. So, yeah, I think that's a great example. And I'll look that up and get the details because I think that, I mean, we should be handing out that stuff for free in, in our schools for sure. My my state senator, I just saw her at an event the other day and, and her and I were, were chatting and we were we started talking about hair um, because like, she she looks like me like she she represents me at the state capitol but she looks like me and we're we're having this this conversation where she, we're, we're we're talking about hair or hair products and just like that level of representation to know that there's someone who has like your shared backgrounds it doesn't mean that we're going to agree on everything but but someone who I feel more comfortable having like an, an idea of what it feels like to walk into a room and to to be the only black woman to be represented there like I I know that she has likely experienced that and that that comfortability of knowing, hey, I have someone who can champion for me is is so important. That's why I say I've been so fortunate to, to have been represented for for years, at least when I lived in in Georgia, um, right. by by people who look who look like me. You know, I have friends who went to Wellesley, and they, in the context of women leadership. They say, you know, I don't know, everyone was a woman there. So everyone who was in charge or managing things or leading things, they they were women. So it just was normal to me that, that women would be leaders. And I think right. that we just don't realize that, you know, I, I always, when I travel, I'll look at the local social magazines or newspapers and just see how people are represented or whether it's in, you know, the STEM field, you know, are there any women there? We have a, a group in Northwest Arkansas, it's a tech fest that's coming up and they've been advertising all of their fabulous speakers who are all men. And I was like, oh, wow, wow. look at all those men. <laughs> and, wow. and they responded and said, thank you for pointing this out. We are going to work on this. You know, and so it's just like if you don't, anyone who's not really thinking about women in politics or women in leadership positions, they're not going to notice that because that's just the norm. Absolutely. And I want it to be uh, the norm that we're all participating. Absolutely. Not and, just me, and, but you too. And that the room looks diverse where you, you look around and you see people who are bringing, you know, their different backgrounds and their different experiences, because that that is how you not only create inclusivity, but it's, it's how we really move forward as a country because we're talking about issues from different perspectives. And when you don't have a, a diversity in the room, then then you're not you're you're constantly having the same conversation over and over again, which is why we, yes. we, we keep seeing, you know, some of these same issues or, or scandals that continue to repeat themselves because you, you may have a room that that's only filled with one demographic. That's right. And we should be even, you can use any debate that we're having right now as a country, whether it's immigration or access to safe abortion or the economy. And if you don't get the people in the room whose lives are affected, you cannot come up with a good, fair, workable policy. I mean, I just don't, I don't know how you can. I would include children in that as well. In the education system, I don't hear anyone ever talking to the kids. What do you need? What's your experience like? That's true. That is. Um, I, I worked on a, I worked on the school board race with a candidate, and I love the fact that she got, um, she, she was having these conversations with kids. And now that uh, now that she's elected, like I constantly see on her Instagram feed, she's in the classroom. She's talking with these students. She's hearing what they have to say and, and talking about the fact that, hey, you know, I ran for office and you could run for office one day and kind of like building that bridge of politics is not as far away as you think it is. So that that person that's representing you in the in the school board, like she's coming to hear what you have to say and what issues or concerns that you have. I love that. I love it. I think Star told me that there's going to be a one component of the training is going to be is run as you are. Is that correct? Am I 
talking about that in the right way? Absolutely. And, and that is that the entire initiative of the, of the training that we're doing on May 18th is for women who are interested in, in running for office, for them to be able to sit down in a room and to hear that everything that you need to run for office, it's already, it's already within you. So that authenticity and, and being able to step out and to say, like, I have these lived experiences that I can use to run for whatever position that if I decide to run for office, what position I decide to run for office for. And that's something that we assist the women in doing is deciding, you know, what level of office do you want to run for, making sure that you're talking with your community. And so I'll say that that's, that's like a sneak preview. That's like a little bit of what we yeah. do. But I, I love talking about that authenticity and, and for women to feel empowered to say, I can run for office. I don't have to change who I am to be an elected official and to represent my community. And you're already qualified. Absolutely. That's a huge thing because we do definitely tend to try to be as qualified as possible before we actually go for a job or a, to run for office or anything like that. And it's clear by, I mean, you can look at a lot of male politicians out there now and I'm not even going to, okay. Anyway, I, I, I heard, yeah. you know, that they, they, they wake up and they, uh, men wake up in the morning and, and look in the mirror and say, I think I'm going to run for office, but <laughs> women have to be asked so many times before right. they even consider running for office. Right. And, you know, we have so many more considerations, I think, and, and not to break, paint with too broad a brush, but we have most of the childcare and household responsibilities. I mean, that is just still the case. And so it's a big sacrifice, I think, for a lot of women to run. I don't have kids, but it would still be a big sacrifice for me because I've got to earn a living, you know, and so I think it's a lot to think about for women, whereas with men, it almost seems like it's just something else, some prestige to add to their law firm or their insurance business or whatever it is. But when women run for office here, everyone wants to know who's watching their kids, you know, and mm -hmm. what, what are your qualifications? Why should I vote for you? And, and it's just it's a it's just a very different experience for sure in the South. And I don't know if Atlanta is different or if it's more sophisticated in that sense. So I don't know if you consider yourself the South in that sense, as far as like the, um, you know, the super patriarchal women have their place. I don't know if it's like that there, but it, it certainly does feel that way here. For the city of Atlanta, like we have the second black mayor that the city of Atlanta has ever had, Keisha Lance Bottoms. She's doing some amazing progressive reforms in, in the city. But I think it's a mixed bag. I mean, we have women who are, are stepping up and are, and are running for office. But I think it's also important, and, and that's one of the reasons that I love Footwear and Lead and the trainings that we're doing, is to talk through those considerations and to make sure that women are having those conversations with their family uh, and being able to have access to resources and support so that when they do decide to run for office, that they have the support that they need, the child, the, uh, talk through, you know, any child care decisions that they need to make, just being able to talk through those decisions. Okay. I'm so excited. I feel like I could just keep talking to you, but I'm going to, I'm going to save it, but I hope that you and I get some time to have dinner or drinks or something so that we can talk about all these yes, important things. Plan that. We have to plan it. Oh, there was one thing I did want to talk about. Yes. Mm -hmm. How it's harder for women of color to raise money. Oh yes, please. It's more difficult. It's another obstacle and another. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say barrier, but maybe a hindrance for women of color to to raise money. And I mean, we we can see that you know proportionally for when a black woman has a fundraiser and the amount of money that she is raising versus a white woman has a fundraiser and the amount of money that she's raising. And I think there are some great organizations out there that are trying to help close that gap to make sure that women have those resources that they need, or particularly women of color have the resources that they need and the funding that they need before they run for office. I don't know if I can technically do like a shout out to like Higher Heights, who's 
raise, raises money for black women uh, mm-hmm. who are running for Congress, who are running for mayoral seats around the country. But they're not only raising money for black women, but they're also involving black women in the, the fundraising process as far as like black women supporting other black women through donations yeah. and through financial support and, and making sure that we are raising the money that we need to have that representation. I'm glad you brought them up. I actually, I was a member of Higher Heights and I did not renew my subscription this year, but only because I'm broke. I, I will rejoin because I would support what they're doing, but I've got a message into them. I would love to interview one of them for the podcast. So if you have any connections, let me know. But yeah, so sure. I love, some... I love Glenda and, and Kimberly. Oh, good, good. Well, I think I've kept you longer than I planned to. Um, and we'll let you get <laughs> no back worries. to your lunch or whatever you were doing, but I really appreciate your time. And I can't wait, wait to meet you. Okay. I'll see you All soon. Right. Bye. Cool. Thanks. Bye.